What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. It is myself and Mark Higgins updating you on the NHL's Western Conference. The last time we podcasted, we mainly talked about the East. So Mark and I get you updated on the West before the NHL trade deadline. This one was a lot of fun to record. You even hear me get the news that baseball is back. So division previews are coming. We cannot wait to hear what you think. So let us know in the comments. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the Bullpen Cart wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. And I also wanted to point it out because I don't mention it at the top. We did not record a podcast last week because I went on my friend Felipe's podcast, the Brazilian Dragon Podcast. We talked about the Disney Channel original movie, Motocrossed. So if you're a fan of that movie or Disney Channel original movies at all, go check out Felipe's podcast again, The Brazilian Dragon. And with that said, here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course... G-Man, Jordy Cannell, we are talking hockey, the NHL, all the way back in full swing after, well, they've always been in full swing because of the Olympic break, did not happen, but they're in full swing, building up towards the deadline, some playoff spots are all but locked up, others are still up in the air, we're going to talk mainly Western Conference today, because last time we talked mainly Eastern Conference, joining me today is Mark Higgins, Mr. Mark, how are you, my friend? Doing excellent, Jordy. Uh, if only this were my real job, though. You know, it's, uh, this would be love great. talking hockey. So excited for the show today. This would be Let's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I am very excited to talk about it. Obviously, not a ton to love in Philadelphia, although an awesome win on Tuesday night. But you might be listening to this Friday morning, and the Florida Panthers might have spanked them last night. So you might have a good rant coming my way on the Instagram feed. We are recording this Thursday at lunchtime, which is why Greg's not with us. Syracuse is playing Duke, and or really, they just played, but Greg uh, was probably watching that and is a busy man at his job. So Mark and I are here to talk some Western Conference hockey. Again, we mainly caught up on the East last time, kind of alluded to it in the intro, Mark. The East, it's not wrapped up. No seeds, no playoff spots have been clinched. The Washington Capitals are the second wild card at 72 points, and the Columbus Blue Jackets are at 59 points. So Pretty much all eight of those seeds are locked up. There'd need to be some serious meltdown. So we figured we'd focus on the West. Now, Mark, this has been an intriguing Western Conference so far this year. Where do you want to start? You want to start in the Central, or do you want to go Pacific off the bat? Yeah, we can go Central. Let's do the Central. Okay. So the Central Division this year has been very fun to watch. We have the Colorado Avalanche, the absolute wagon that they are, leading the division. They have a sizable lead. I feel like even larger than the last time we spoke. Now it's 16 points on the St. Louis Blues. You have the Wild sitting in that third spot by a point. They've really fallen off recently at 3-7. and seven. Last 10 for the Minnesota Wild. They're just ahead of the Nashville Predators with the Dallas Stars right behind them. The Preds sit in the first wild card in the West. So they would end up playing across divisions per how the NHL playoffs work. But let's start with the Avs, Mark, because they have been absolute tear of a team. Darcy Kemper, their goalie that they picked up from the 
Arizona Coyotes earlier this year, now a divisional opponent, has been very solid for them. Frank Coos, their backup, has also been incredibly great. Is that where it goes for you? Obviously, their skaters are incredible. But I feel like goaltending, first and foremost, has to be a, a topic of conversation for the Avalanche when you think about this team going forward, right? Yeah, I think this might go down as one of the best teams, regular season teams at least, that we've had in recent memory, right? And goaltending was the big question for them. Um, and, then, I mean, they're doing the job. Who'd they, who'd they have last year? They had... Uh, they had Grubauer. Right. And they just... Kemper slipped right in there and is doing the job. Like we all knew going into this year, Colorado was a Stanley cup contender, right? Oh yeah. They've, they've proven it. It's been building for years now. They have the talent. Landis Cog signed a hometown discount. Kadri's having a breakout year, 72 points, 55 games. Like we saw this coming. It's really going to come down to what can they do in the playoffs? So this has been no surprise. Absolutely. Um, and goaltending is just the cherry on top. So yeah. And, and I didn't mean to, to make that sound like, oh, the skaters are no big deal. Because you mentioned it. Kadri having an incredible season. You mentioned the points there. Ronson and McCarr is having another incredible season for him. And just really slamming it at anybody's faces of GMs of the first three picks in 2017, including my Philadelphia Flyers. But, yeah, the reason why I brought up goaltending first is, as you mentioned it, Grubauer and countless goalies before that have kind of slipped up for him and have been a big issue. And in the bubble, it was injuries that happened across the board for the Avalanche. Last year, there were some injuries, but really shortcomings there. So I feel like that's going to be the top of a conversation going for them. But looking at their skaters, I mean, they just have guys that are producing all over the board. They have seven dudes that are all over 40 points, 40 points on the season, including Devin Taves, who is an incredible pickup. It's his second year on the team. Burakovsky has been awesome for them. Their rookie, Alex Newhook, has been great, 23 points in 48 games. We haven't even mentioned Nate McKinnon, who's fourth on the team in points with 60 and is still, I mean, he's been hurt, you know, in, in and out of the lineup throughout the year, but still producing at top, top performance for Nate McKinnon's style. And, yeah, I mean, this is, it's really going to come down to the goaltending, and, and I feel like some depth, too, like JT Comfer, a guy like Nico Bakubel, who they picked up off waivers from the Flyers, Tyson Jost. A lot of these guys, I feel like it's going to come down to them. And, and obviously, they've battled some other injuries on the blue line with Bo Byram, their rookie. Is he uh, Actually, he might not be a rookie. Maybe in his second year. Um, but young defenseman, incredibly young defensive core. But still, if they can stay healthy and keep this core flowing and going well, and depending on what they pick up at the trade deadline, because Joe Sack is genius that way, this team, you know, I, I think I picked them for the Stanley Cup at the start of the year. But they can continue to go that way. Now, they've, they've slipped up in their last couple games. They lost to the Devils the other night, granted, on the road. They beat the Islanders. They lost to the Coyotes in Arizona a couple about a week ago. So, you know, there are some times where they show signs of slipping up, but every team does. You know, we're in, almost in a swoon right now of different teams that are either really good and are losing games or really bad, like the Coyotes, and absolutely pumping the tires off of off of other teams you know they scored 17 goals in two games so we you know I feel like seeing them slip up now we talk about this a lot with Tampa right of where they came in last year they weren't a one seed or a couple years ago where they got too good and they got swept by the Blue Jackets and all that kind of stuff like having this little swoon right now may not be the worst thing in the world even if they don't break Tampa's record right yeah yeah I mean it's I don't even think they really care about the regular season they 
they want to win a cup. It's it's been fun to see McKinnon just been going crazy. Oh yeah. During some of these, he loses his mind. It's like, uh, don't like, I don't know that 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 uh, t- tenacity might might uh, help in the playoffs when when it's uh you know do or die game seven. I I I really like them to win the cup this year. They they almost remind me of, like the late '90s, early 2000s Avalanche with oh, like yeah. the, the Forsberg, Sackick, Tangay, Hey Duke, Rob Blake, uh, Adam Foot, Fod Lemieux, Dead Marsh, like Dead Marsh, like jury like i just don't think their goal is obviously compared to patrick Waugh, but yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, they have that star power it's like whoa yeah um, absolutely and it's exciting to see you know like they're a full eight points ahead of calgary for the one seed in the western conference i know technically through divisions but they'd be the top seed they get to play the second wild card all that kind of stuff so like yeah they're pumping it out and their goaltending is doing well is doing well and and it really can't be you know, mistaken. Now we'll get to Calgary, who's having an even an even better and almost top goaltending performance, which maybe we can talk about towards the end of where Markstrom for Calgary lines up against a Shesterkin or you know uh, a Freddie Anderson in Carolina or something like that. But Colorado's exciting to see they have one of the best goal differentials. They pump out goals left and right. So even to see that where they do lose some low scoring games, two one in Arizona a week ago. You know, they're still scoring at a high rate. And, and I mean, even a five-goal game against the Islanders, a team where a system that's not supposed to allow a lot of goals, you know, th- th- there's excitement there. But let's keep it moving. St. Louis, Louis Blues, wow. Got a little uh, little quick-tongued there. But the Blues come in in second place. The second to wild card in the Central is really up in the air. There are only two points on Minnesota, who, again, is a one, one point up on Nashville. But St. Louis really coming on to their own throughout the second half of the year. They were kind of in third place. They were kind of in a wild card spot for a little while. But now have found themselves in second place. Their offense is, you know, it's seventh in the league for goals scored. But defensively, they've really come on. And I feel like, you know, they lost Petrangelo a couple years ago to go to Vegas. They've had Bennington be up and down throughout this season. But they're, I guess, 1B. I don't even want to call him a backup. Technically, he's, he's played last games. but. Billy Huso has been awesome for them. So I feel like even with Bennington at still kind of a, you know, not Stanley Cup level, and I know you and Greg have had the, this has been a long time coming take for Bennington, but having Huso be this great for him, and even other guys that have stepped in, Lindgren when he's stepped in has, has been great for him. But this team has been a lot of fun to watch, and I, I feel like I'm burying the lead here because Kairou, we talked about it right after the All-Star game, had a great performance in the skills competition. And he, he and Vladimir Tarasenko are carrying this team along with a couple other guys. But I don't know. It really, I guess, comes down to for a team that does score goals but isn't at that Colorado or you know insert another incredible offense here. Again, they're top 10 in scoring, so I'm not, I don't want to put them down too much. But they're a team that I feel like the way they won the Stanley Cup and the way that they play is a little more rough and tumble. And they grind out those wins. Now, they're on a four-game losing streak right now, which is concerning. Mark, what do you see out of this team? The Blues, yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely a good sign. When you think of the Blues, you think of Ryan O'Reilly. He's uh, like, Peron. Tarasenko's up there second in points. Good to see him have a back, uh, bounce back here. But the thing for them, for me, is like Kairou, Robert Thomas, Barbershev, these guys, like, going into this year, I didn't really know who they were. I knew who Thomas was because yeah. Stanley Cup, but – my point is like they have these young guys that are you know contributing now and that's a that's always a good sign for a team that already was a playoff team 
Um, Kyrie was a sneaky uh, DFS guy, and now yeah, that price has caught up to him. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, 23 years old, like yeah. point per game. That's uh, pretty, pretty damn nice. good. So pretty good. Yeah, I think I think they're a playoff team. I don't know if they're going to make much noise. Like I think they lose to teams like Minnesota, Colorado, Calgary, Vegas in the playoffs. But um, that's kind of where I am with them. Like they're yeah. sort of in like the Bruins uh, place where they're good. They're going to make the playoffs, but I don't know if they could beat some those elite teams. Yeah, I, that's probably a, a smart take there of just seeing what Minnesota has been able to do. And we'll get to them in a second of, of kind of a up and down team scores, a lot of goals, but lets in a lot of goals. The main problem with the blues that I'd probably point to is their road record. If you're really talking about just playoffs of their 13, 10 and five, they have been on a losing streak on the road currently. So that doesn't help, but it is concerning, right? Of like, they don't, if they don't hold on to this two seed, which again, they're only two points up. They have a game. They have played an extra game against Minnesota. So Minnesota could tie them. They would take over the two seed if Minnesota wins their 56th game. And it it becomes concerning if they don't have home ice. They really got to see this thing grind out. And it does, at a certain point, become a conversation of who are you going to put in goal? Because Bennington obviously won you a Stanley Cup. But Husso's been really good. And if they have to be juggling goalies that way and seeing it there, they really are going to have to grind out teams and win those low-scoring games, which a team like Minnesota plays kind of the opposite of that. It's it's not necessarily like those Jets teams when they went to the Western Conference Finals have had Hellebuck playing out of his mind and were a solid defensive team but still scoring goals left and right. There is kind of an identity crisis, and again, this is a top-10 team in scoring with good goaltending, and but they really can't seem to get it done on the road, which, to your point, you got to be able to do that in the playoffs. And even if they have to face like a Nashville who – is a really intriguing team to talk about who's, you know, their goal differentials less Nashville's is than St. Louis, but Nashville is a pretty even keeled team when it comes to that. So I feel like figuring out that identity for St. Louis. And now, of course, this is all before the trade deadlines, whatever they end up doing in terms of picking up players, we've seen them make all sorts of moves at the trade deadline and in the off season too, obviously the O'Reilly trade with, with the Sabres, but their trade deadline moves, Sometimes they leave you with a little bit of a head scratcher, like when they traded away um, Paul Stastny to the Jets and you had the Braden Shen meltdown outside the locker room of freak, freaking out. But um, yeah, this team, I don't know. It, it They're one, if you wanted to like buy or sell on a team, they're one that you might sell on of the eight currently slated Western Conference teams. I wouldn't think they're going to miss the playoffs or anything like that. I think they do do get in, like you said, but some of these central matchups are going to be pretty crucial for them to pull out yeah they gotta get home ice over vegas or minnesota yeah they're a couple points up on them right now four game slide like you mentioned but that tuesday night game 4-1 loss at home versus ottawa was a big glaring like what the heck happened there and then tonight see how they respond at home again versus the rangers a better team let's see if they can you know all right guys we've should have won that one the other night, obviously. Um, have a night off of rest here. Let's see how they respond tonight because they're in a bit of a tailspin here. Yeah. And that might determine if they buy or sell. I mean, obviously, I don't think you're going to sell when you're a fourth seed. Yeah. But anything in that, like, there's going to be a lot more games in the next 10 days. So Yeah, so the leading into the trade deadline, they play the Rangers tonight. They played Nashville this weekend. Then they host Winnipeg. They host Pittsburgh. 
And then the day of the tra- trade deadline, they play Columbus, which I believe would be at, yeah, it's 5 p.m. Eastern time. So it's after the trade deadline passed. But they play some solid playoff teams. The Rangers, who are solidly in a playoff spot in the Metro. The Penguins, who have been great and have great goaltending. Winnipeg, who is not in a playoff spot currently, technically is still alive, but has great goaltending. And, and if Hellebuck can step up and really shut this team down, it might show them what they need and what they can possibly do. But I think, too, like looking at that loss that they had on the road against the Islanders, a team that plays that low-scoring, grind-em-out grind puck that they try to play, you know, if you can't pull those kind of games out where you really need to, it really does become a question of that. They lost to the Devils right before then, too, a team that's not very good. And, yeah, seeing what they have to do against three currently slated playoff teams and a divisional opponent, we're going to learn a lot about this team, and it's going to be very interesting to see the Rangers. I know we're not talking about the East, but they are they are seemingly a post-deadline explosion firework type of team, and it seems like their offense is starting to get it in, in the groove, and that's concerning if you're a fan of an Eastern Conference team. But staying on the on the Blues, yeah, I mean, they have a great forward and defensive pop in the bottom. can get it done, but I think if you're looking at it in terms of making a push, they really need to try to add some depth if they're going to really be serious buyers. And they might have to overbuy if they really want to try to repeat the magic of a couple years ago. Well, let's keep it moving. Not, oh, do you have one last thought? I was just going to add, not that this adds any protection or anything, but Verube recently signed a three-year contract extension. Sure. But, you know, that could just be... He could be fired. Doesn't matter. But <laughs> yeah, um, maybe the greatest interim coach of all time went to Stanley Cup that year. Took the Flyers from dead last to a playoff spot. Obviously lost in the, the first round of the Rangers. But still, Barube, nothing but respect for the guy. But let's get to the thrill: the Minnesota Wild, led by K- Kirill Kaprizov. 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 Yeah, I'm not a pronunciation guy. Mark, I'll let you start on the Wild. This is a team that I think we've all been really excited about. Break them down for me. Yeah, I, I know we've talked a lot about them uh, on this show. Um, they're in a bit of a cold streak right now, three and seven in their last 10, but yep. they're in a comfortable, pretty comfortable spot. I mean, they're two games back of the Blues, but with the game in hand. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they have a pretty complete team. It's, it's fun to finally have hockey back in uh, – Minnesota, they've been kind of boring uh, the past 15, 20 years. I know, like, playing NHL in the dorm room stuff, no one would ever want to be the Wild. They're just kind of a boring team. But, yeah, Kaprizov's kind of came in there and changed that. They got rid of Sutter. They got rid of Parise. Uh, Billy Guerin came in. Whole new look for this team. Um, Marcus Foligno's starting to become more of a leader. I think he's got an A on his jersey. Um, yeah, La Zuccarello. They are the Spurgeon back there, uh, Matt oh, yeah. Boldy, very, very uh, promising young prospect. Uh, American prospect. Yeah. yeah. Matt Dumba, like they got a pretty depth, young, old guys, guys in their prime. Um, I, I They're fun to watch. I like, you know, the way they play now. Um, and I hope they make some noise in the playoffs. I don't know how far they'll go. I hope they win a series. That's kind of my take. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it of a very complete roster, really awesome defensive core with guys like Jordan Greenway, who maybe not necessarily putting up the points, but a guy who hits hard. He takes some penalties, only 43 minutes, but still 
You know, a, a, a team that's really well built, I think goaltending becomes a bit of a question. Cam Talbot is their number one guy playing more than Kokkinen, who's been better statistically, better goals against and better save percentage. But that really becomes a question. And I think it depends on who they end up playing. If it's a team like St. Louis and you just go that run and gun and see what happens there. Great. But also I think having this tandem of obviously a very seasoned veteran in Talbot and how old is Kakanen? Uh, I don't think he's that old, right? But still a tandem. He is, Oh shit. He's 96. He's 26 years old, uh, 25 years old, but still, a tandem that's been up and down throughout the season is a little bit concerning. And I think your point of saying like, depending on who they draw, hopefully they win a series. We've seen with some of these run and gun teams that don't necessarily lock it down in terms of whether it's between the pipes or they don't have the guys on the blue line that can necessarily do it, that they don't necessarily do well, especially in a first round series where they play teams with veteran presence that push them through there. But as you mentioned, they do have Zuccarello, they have Foligno, Ryan Hartman, who's having an incredible season. He's a pretty young guy who's been fun to watch and definitely a, uh, you know, one, if you're here in Philadelphia, of a guy that got away, 20-goal scorer right now, Fiala also up there. But they're getting balanced scoring, right? They have, they'll have at least, they'll have probably, not even, not at least, they'll probably have six guys score 20 goals by the end of the season. Goligoski, uh, Joel Erickson Eck, and Zuccarello have not reached that plateau yet. Three other guys have. So they have guys that can score, and I think it just becomes down, or it comes down to, great grammar, where their bottom six can really perform that way. But I think with a defense like they have and, and veteran presences of guys that, that play nose-to-the-grindstone-style hockey, they can pick that up. It really just comes down to goaltending for me and seeing where they can go. But like you said, I think having a guy like Kaprizov, Kaprizov, Jesus, make some sort of run the guy that ha- you know he's in all the commercials whenever you're watching ESPN I'm watching it a ton this week for championship week hearing Kirill the thrill and all that kind of stuff having a face like that be towards the front and I know there's obviously geopolitical shit with all that kind of stuff that comes to it right now but having a young face like that make it further into the playoffs is always great for the league and I think in this new era of new you know television deals and all that sort of stuff it's you know it's for the better to try to see them do it. So t- seeing what this team ends up doing at the trade deadline, you know they acquired Zuccarello kind of in a weird deal a couple years ago at the trade deadline, and it's worked out more than handsomely for them. He's a well over a point per game, and seeing what he can do, health just becomes a concern for him. But then seeing where this team might be able to perform after that, I think really just comes down to what they end up buying and and how all in do they go into? Do they go full? Blue I think they gotta go. Ago? Did they push? They gotta the go all in. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but they also. I mean, I guess because of the the older guys on the team, you might not have this, you know, stars aligning type of moment happen again. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, uh, one thing to remember, like they got bounced last year. They took Vegas to seven games in the first round. Um, so I think they want to get past that. Anything but advancing to the second or third round this year might be a failure for them. So the pressure could be on if they get bounced in the first round again, and then, you know, it's a, to- a totally different mindset with them. Like, oh, they can't get it done in the playoffs. Yeah. So like, I don't know when that line, to, when you kind of don't cross into that realm, like b- being like an up and coming team versus a team that can't get it done. Yeah. They're somewhere in the middle right now, maybe at the tail end of like up and coming. Cause I think we know they're good now and it's time for them to make a little noise. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, if if you're Minnesota and you're a fan of the Wild, you want them to you want them to buy, and I think you're you're probably right. They should push them in, but not necessarily go for broke because it yeah. does come down to playing Colorado and whether that's in the first round, if that's in the second round, that's going to be concerning. I mean, you don't want them to fall into a wild card spot because then you have to play a very solid Calgary team that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Presumably, I mean, Vegas can certainly turn it on. So could LA, but presumably Calgary, maybe Vegas, if they figure it out or shit Edmonton, if they really get it going, but they're, uh, they're nine points back of their division lead. We'll get to them in a little bit. But yeah, you want them to get home ice for one series, maybe try to put some fear into the, the, the avalanche towards the end of the season as you're trying to make a push. But really, it comes down to can you match up with Colorado and, and see what you're doing there. And we were just talking about them, you know, pumping, the, pumping their tires a ton. It really comes down to seeing what Talbot or Kakinen end up doing in that series. And they need to build something around there. I don't think you necessarily want to bring in another goalie and try to you know, pry away Marc-Andre Fleury from the from the Blackhawks or something like that. But I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just get more depth in the forwards and, and try to win out that way. And we've seen that happen before to great success for certain teams. And I don't know. It'll be really exciting. But should we keep moving? Should we go to Nashville? Yeah, let's do it. All right. The Preds are currently in fourth. They played 56 games, 30 or not 30, 68 points, 30 regular uh, regulation wins is where I was starting to say that. But they are currently sandwiched between the Wild and the Stars for the first Wild card. So, like I mentioned, the way the NHL works, the first Wild card would play the second of the two division winners, which right now would be Calgary. So they'd be slated in for a very intriguing matchup, especially when it comes down to goaltending. The Predators, I feel like a team that's certainly playing way higher than I think anybody thought they were going to. I think. We thought they'd be right on the edge of maybe making a playoff spot. But guys like UC Saros, their goaltender, has been absolutely incredible. They've really asked him to answer the bell. He has played in 47 of their 57 games. And then they have, you know, we're getting back towards some Smashville-type hockey. You have guys like Roman Yossi, Duchesne, Philippe Forsberg, who's been thrown out for various different potential trades. Guys yeah, that are really get getting that. it done, and but really playing that you know, more Smashville style hockey and getting uh getting getting the job done there. Now their goal differential isn't great. So if you look at the plus minuses for some of these players, they're not awesome, but they do have a very young, talented rookie in Taylor Gino, who's been really great for him and also currently an incredible value DFS player for uh any of you DFS people out there. But Mark, break this team down for me, because they are exciting. It's always more fun when Nashville's in the playoffs. That building is absolutely electric in, in both the regular season and especially in the postseason. What do you think of this team? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little biased because I have Saros and Forsberg on my fantasy team. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is a team that, like, could make a run because of the goaltender. And the goaltender is what's the most important position in hockey, right? I just said oh, yeah. it, goaltending. This guy's top five in the league. So, um, if he gets hot in the playoffs, they could upset somebody. Um they got the they got the front talent with Duchesne, Forsberg, Johansson, like up front guys with skill. With that Jano guy you mentioned, he's a very up and like surprising. I think he played in the East Coast League, then advanced to the AHL, and like he bangs. If you watch his see his box scores, I've seen oh, yeah. him like 
watching live too. He gets like three or four hits a game. Like yeah, he's running people over. Eight hits in fifty six games for him. Yeah, so he pr- provides that different aspect for their for their lineup that they don't typically have um, in recent no. years, at least up front. No, not so, recent years, not since. Uh, yeah. I mean, PK was good for him. He was obviously a part of that cup run, but really not since the uh, uh, shit defenseman. And the thing, what's kind of the thing with them, Ben, over the years, like they always have sick decor, right? It's always been like, who's their stud up front? Who's going to score that big goal for them? And like, yeah, it's surprising to see Forsberg in trade rumors when he's got 27 goals this year, 46 points, 43 games. Like he's kind of their guy. I don't get why you're a playoff team. You want to get rid of your, did that like ever, did we ever find out if that was true or not? Those rumors? Which rumors? Like that he's on the trade. I've seen his well, name float around as potential as a potential guy to be traded away. Same with like Eckholm is still out there. He was obviously there last year, and they still made the playoffs. It was Shea Weber. I don't know why I forgot who the fuck who Shea Weber was. But yeah, um, but to answer your question, I've seen rumors thrown around as a guy that could potentially do that. But I don't know if this is necessarily a situation like the what was it 2017 or 18 Rangers that traded away JT Miller and Ryan McDonough when they were in a playoff spot just to be just to do the soft reset. And clearly it's worked out for him. But, like, I don't know if you're necessarily in that position to trade away a guy who has 46 points for you. He's your lead goal scorer tied with Duchesne. And, yeah, he's had some – he's missed some games because of injuries here and there. But I don't know necessarily of, like, a team that really is starved for offense. To put it in perspective, Duchesne and Forsberg have each scored 27 goals. The team in total, that is 54 goals. The team in total has scored 174 goals. So they've scored 54 of 174, that's well over a – it's close to a third. I was about to say well over a, a third, but it's close to a third. And for a team that's literally middle of the road, they're 15th in the league in goals four, I feel like unless you're really just saying, you know what, thanks but no thanks, and the Rangers kind of did that, but it was towards the twilight of Hank's career. But in a season that UC Saros is having, it almost feels like a disservice to him in what he's trying to – or what he's doing right now to just say – we're going to trade away him. We're going to trade away a defenseman. We're going to hit the soft reset button. And Saros, you just got to you know, toughen it out for a couple of years here. Jordy, it almost makes no sense that something must be going on off the ice. Yeah, that, actually, that, that might be it. Who knows? I mean, Past, how long has he been on yeah. the team for, Forsberg? It feels like 15 drafted. years, but he was drafted. No. He was drafted in 2012. So he's been with the team since the 12-13 season. So this is his 10th year in the league. Technically, tenth year. It's his eighth full season in the league, but he's been he's been around forever. He's been a part. He was a part of that Cup Run team, and he's you know a veteran leader on this squad. And I don't know to to maybe you're right. It might be something off the ice that's going on. It maybe he's not agreeing with somebody. Maybe something weird's going on. But yeah, it's uh it's kind of a crazy thing to see his name flash up there in terms of rumors, especially for a team that's certainly very much so in the running and. You know, currently in a playoff spot. Yeah, I like he's exactly what the type of player that they need. Yep. And to so they've always needed offense, Nashville, sort of like Minnesota's always needed offense. And to have rumors to trade your best forward, I don't know. Yeah. But like they got the what the best D check. They got the best goalie check. I think just more scoring and I wouldn't be surprised if they, they upset somebody. I might pick them. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact round. of the matter is is that like the, the Smashville teams of hold, their leading points getter 
is a former Norris Trophy winner in Roman Yossi. <laughs> so yeah. they're a very defensive team. And granted, he scored 15 of those said 154 goals. So, or 174 goals. But still, you know, they're, they're very top-heavy team in terms of that. And it would be fun to see them upset somebody. I mean, that's kind of what happened in the 2017 run, or it's exactly what happened. They were a wild-card team. They upset a Blackhawks team and then just kept riding that. They beat the Blues. They beat, I forgot who they beat in the Western Conference Final, but they, or they beat the Ducks. That was the whole Ryan, Ryan Kessler push the goalie against the Oilers thing. Um, but, yeah, this team, it, it would be such a shame because they're so much fun to see in the playoffs. And to see that building just absolutely electrify that city, it would be so cool to see them there. And, and we'll have to see what ends up happening. If they end up maybe making some sort of blockbuster trade of swapping a star for a star and, and see what ends up happening there. Maybe it's a change of scenery kind of thing if there really is an off-the-ice kind of thing. Again, we're not trying to start rumors here or anything like that. But, you know, crazier things have happened. Now, another team that made a surprising trip to the Stanley Cup Final a couple years ago in the bubble was the Dallas Stars, who currently sit at 67 points. They would be ahead of the Oilers for the eight seed if it was still one to eight, how they used to do it when we were kids and really throughout high school and college. But they are currently on the outside looking in. They've played 56 games. This is a very quintessential Dallas Stars team. 166 goals for, 162 goals against. Not a lot of goals against, but not a lot of goals scored, Mark. The under kings remain the under kings. That are the Dallas Stars. Break this team down for me. Yeah, I had them uh, making the playoffs this year just from that playoff experience and the guys that they have with Heskinen, you know, the veterans up front, Sig and Ben. And I, I knew about this Robertson kid last year with the, the rookie numbers he put up. But this year, wow. Like, yeah, he's taking off. 54 points, 48 games. Sounds like a good kid. Listening to him on uh, Chicklets the other day, too. Seemed very humble, oh, yeah. down to earth. Kind of a big fan of him um, now after hearing that. Like, and he's had back-to-back hat tricks recently. Like, I want to see him play more like on TV. I haven't really zoned in on him yet, but looking forward to doing that. And like, I know. Haskinen, Klinberg, I picked up Suter, uh, obviously on uh, Minnesota. Some guy that's actually, like su- I'm surprised that he's not doing better is Radulov because in years past, he's been a top six forward for them. Looks yeah. like. Who's a big part of that run to the final? Yeah, his, his numbers are pretty tough this year. Um, yeah. 18 points minus 12 on a team that's plus four in goal differential. I mean, granted, so are Klinberg and, and Sagan. So, like, you know, it's not not necessarily, you know, apples to apples there, but still that's tough for a guy that's like known as a grinder and really, you know, makes his way to play tough on defense and then score. You only have three goals and see that that is tough. So you just mentioned it. Depth becomes a concern for them and seeing what they can do. But they do have a really good decor. You mentioned it with Heskinen, with uh, with Suter, with a number of guys that really shut it down. Their goaltending has been pretty solid, obviously a, a very well defensive team. They're 10th in goals against. I guess their penalty kill isn't very good, so maybe that's where uh, this record comes into play. They're on an absolute tear right now. Seven of their last 10 wins, or seven of their last 10 games are wins. But still, you know, even for as terrible the a penalty kill they have, they're not a very penalized team. So I guess it's just uh, when they do take a penalty, it might go in the back of the net because of it. 
But, you know, they have a solid goal goaltending tandem in, in Ottinger and, and Holtby and Kadobin, who was a big part of that cup run as well. That's a solid third option who's played some games here and there. So, you know, if they can make a run into this, they have Pavelski, who he's been on the team for a couple of years now, but has a lot of playoff experiences from his years in San Jose. And you, know, you mentioned it with uh, Robertson and Hintz, two super young dudes, Ben, Sagan, who are vets at this point. You know, they're, they're a team that, with the right mix of guys, and they might add some more at the deadline. We'll see. You know, maybe maybe they can build something that can uh, turn into being a dangerous playoff team. And if they're healthy, right? They haven't been healthy yeah, in a long a time. Since that, that playoff run hurt them a lot. So, I mean, at least Sagan, probably some other guys too. But, yeah, I'm shocked that Pavelski, 37 years old, he's got almost 60, 59 points right now. Yeah. Like, wow. I did not see that coming. Um, let's just hope he can, you know, it's a lot of, lot of mileage for a guy that age. Let's see in the playoffs, you know, it picks up a whole nother level, which oh, yeah. he has the experience for, but uh, my point is just like staying healthy. If they could stay healthy, I think they can make some noise um, just from that experience that they have and the veterans that they have and the, the mix of young guys and the decor, a little bit of a goalie carousel that they have the, yeah. with the two guys, which is a bit concerning. You kind of want to know who your number one is, but yep. Yeah, it's about all I, I do you think they they sneak in and then make it? Yeah, so over really a team like Edmonton. To, yeah, so Edmonton's such a weird team, and we'll talk about them in a little bit of how bad they're they've been defensively, even with some of the names they have. This is a team that I think it really will come down to like the last week of the season, seeing who they end up playing. Let's let's look at that schedule of who they have down the stretch. Cause it might come down to like we've had all the COVID makeup games throughout the, the Olympic break, but like seeing who they end up having to play. And it looks like they've played trying to do the quick math. It looks like they played a lot more games at home than on the road. Um, no, it's the same amount. Never mind. Um, so it's the same amount. So they, they don't have a Islander situation where they have like a front loaded away schedule or something like that, but they do in April, they do play a lot of so, so teams. I'll put it that way. They play Seattle twice, which should be wins for them. They closed the the season on a four game home streak against Seattle, Vegas, Arizona, and Anaheim. So they they're gonna play some playoff opponents. They're gonna see what they can do there. They play the Devils. The Islanders are probably you know depending on where they're at in terms of selling, they might be a completely different team there. They play the Sharks. So they're gonna have some opportunities to snag some points. And Mark, you'll get to see them on TV on April twelfth against the Lightning. That might be a very fun game to tune into. But yeah. Answer your question. I'd love to see him sneak in, but if I had to pick between Nashville and Dallas to see one team get in, I'd rather see Nashville because of how well they've been playing. Because they have a lot of those questions that you were just asking answered. They have a number one goalie, clearly in Soros. They have superstars in Yossi and and in a number of other players, and so do the stars. They have great forwards, but I just think Nashville has a little bit more, a little bit more to prove there, and. And depending on what they can do and the capital that they can swing around, and not that Dallas doesn't either, but I feel like depending on what the salary cap, because they have a lot of top-heavy pay payments, Dallas does, I just don't know if they could add a superstar or even just a star, pun intended, to you know push them over that edge. I could see them really you know, water-finding its level and things catching up to them and really falling off, you know, I, I'd rather see Winnipeg in than them because I like Winnipeg a lot. And, you know, Winnipeg's kind of had a disappointing year of just 
a lot of unlucky breaks going their way. And, you know, so I, I'm going to say no. I don't think Dallas gets in. I think I think they might, man. I think Edmonton is. Yeah, that's that's the, obviously the wild card. <laughs> Edmonton, that's that's what it's going to come down to is those two teams. Like, yeah, Vancouver's right there, but I don't think Vancouver's long for this world. They're on an absolute tear right now. But um, Dallas and Nashville have two games in hand over Edmonton. And, and yeah, yeah, Dallas and Edmonton are going to play each other two more times. So and you're talking about like we were talking about Nashville and how most of their offense is through only a couple guys. Edmonton, look at their stats. Yeah. You know, the two guys I'm talking about, I think I just did the math. It's like 36% of their goals are those two. Yeah, they lead the league. We're talking about we'll start. We're moving over to the Pacific. We'll go bottom up. So basically, just to to put a bow on the rest of the division, Winnipeg is technically still alive. Chicago and Arizona are basically out. I don't think mathematically eliminated, but they're they're not going to make the playoffs. So we're just going to skip over them. Obviously, they have players that are very intriguing to talk about. Hella Buck with Winnipeg, Mark Andre Fleury. If he ends up going somewhere from Chicago, there's been rumors. There's been he doesn't want to move. He doesn't want to get traded again. All this kind of stuff. And Arizona, despite the 17 goals in two games, yeah, you know, flash in the pan there. Good for them. We'll see. We'll see them potentially get traded. The most exciting thing to talk about with Arizona was the Phil Kessel played one shift, then go, then went to go meet his kid. But let's go to Edmonton because the Oilers, and this isn't to dismiss the Vancouver Canucks, but I'm going to say this again: they're eight and eight and two in their last ten games. They're on a three-game winning streak. They have better goaltending than Edmonton. <laughs> hilariously, but I just don't think they're long for this world of, of hanging out, hanging out there. Same with Anaheim, unfortunately, who was so exciting for so long. You saw that water find its level. And I think that's what's going to happen with Vancouver, but Edmonton, what Mark was referring to for those that either don't know or weren't keeping track. Cause I was speaking a mile a minute there. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreitzeitel top two point getters in the league. 30 goals for McDavid. He scored one last night, a pretty sweet overtime goal where he got hooked and still fucking went in and got it. One of the best players in the world, if not the best. Shows why. Dreitzeitel, 38 goals, 81 points for McDavid, 79 for Dreitzeitel. Top two in the NHL. Their 48 goals are, as Mark just said, their 48 of 186 goals for for this team. They... Are all of their offense? I think we. What was it? Sixty-eight. The, uh, Sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. Out of 100. Right. Excuse me. It's still that's an even higher percentage. It's insane. That's over a third. Well over a third. They will have Zach Hyman probably get to twenty goals, but he has thirty-seven points. They have Ryan Nugent Hopkins at thirty-seven points. Bouchard also at thirty, and a number of guys might get close to that by the end of the season. Right side, McDavid probably will get over 100 if I had to guess. At least at the current clip they're at, they should. They're an incredibly top-heavy team with, and granted, Evander Kane's been really good for them since they added him a couple, or almost a couple months ago now at this point. But they really need the rest of that team to also perform at that clip because, my God, is their goaltending terrible. I mean... It's always been terrible. We've known this. It's yeah. been the same song for five years. I don't know how they don't like address that and make that a top priority. Yet goalies don't grow on trees, but give up some assets for one. Like in their decor too. Like, yeah, nurse is a number one. I give you that. But getting guys like CeCe, he's been on so many teams for a reason. Yep. Uh, Duncan Keith, all right, he could be your fifth, sixth guy, fine. But 
like CC and uh, uh, Chris Russell has the most blocks ever in the league. I think yeah. he won that award, but yeah, my example, like Tyson Berry offensive defenseman. Yeah. He's in him on the power play with McDavid and dry Unbelievable, unbelievable chemistry you can have. And he was on Toronto and he ripped it up on the power play, but he's got some, he's kind of a defensive liability and that's been their, one of their biggest problems in the past, along with goaltending is just playing good team defense and to go out and make it a priority to get an offensive guy over like a, a two way guy. I, yeah. You know, you see where I'm getting at. Like, oh, I totally do. It's insane to see because they don't they don't address what they need and they try to play this run and gun style. And even if you want to say like, you know what, we're going to have offensive defensemen and go this way to not address the goaltending and just say Miko Koskinen has been our starter for however many years now. And he's been fine. He's at a 904 save percentage. He has 20 wins, which is good. It's close to a career high for him. He's been on the team for four years. 304 save percentage, or 304 goals against average, 904 save percentage. The guy has one shutout and was against the Flyers, who were one of the worst offenses in the league. The fact, Mark, we'll put it this way. The fact that Sorokin, the Islanders goalie, wouldn't waive his no-trade clause to go to Edmonton says something about that team. He knows he's going to be put out on an island, even with the defensemen that they have and the fact that they can produce offense and they have McDavid, they have Dreitzeitel. If you don't have a guy that's one of one of the better goaltenders in the league, and granted, the Islanders haven't been very good, but he has been good. He's done everything they've asked him to do to be a defensive goalie. Obviously, defensive goalie. That's, that's whatever the opposite of oxymoronic is. But be a solid netminder between the pipes. The fact that a guy like that won't waive his no-trade clause to go to this kind of team. Maybe he doesn't believe in him. Maybe there's something organizationally that we just don't know about because we're not, we're not NHL insiders. There's something fucking weird about that, and that's insane to me. And the fact that they had first overall pick in 2010, 11, 12, 15, first overall picks, not just like top yeah. 10, top five, first overall picks, and I don't have they won a playoff series? They did. They won. So I mentioned it before, and I think it's 2017. They made it to the second round. They were in game seven against the Ducks, and they blew this. I think it was a three-goal lead, but the fifth goal, the it was 5-5. They were up 5-2 with, like, ten minutes left in the third, and they blew the three-goal lead. And one of the goals, Ryan Kessler, like, held. I think it was Cam Talbot. Might have been. Oh, yeah, it had to be Cam Talbot. Koskinen wasn't even in the league yet. Um, he held his, He held the goalie's pad. And that prevented, it should have been goalie interference, but that was the last goal. And they should have gone there. Then they were everyone's pick to be the, the Stanley Cup in the Stanley Cup finals, if not a cup winner in 18. And they obviously didn't do that. They, I don't even think they made the playoffs that year. That's the Capitals beating the, the Golden Knights. But they've had this problem forever. And Jordy, it's insane. One playoff series in the past 10 seasons that yeah. they've won one playoff series and they had all those first overall picks. You don't think they could have given up like an asset to get a goaltender. Oh yeah. Like a team would have just given well, them a goalie. We were talking about this offline of Taylor Hall, who's been traded a bunch of times. Also a first overall pick. He was that first, first overall pick in 2010. And they traded him for Adam Larson, who got picked off their team in the expansion draft. Right. And, you could have made something like that happen. Nugent Hopkins is another one that, like, now he's just on the team. He's an established veteran. He's He was drafted 11 years ago. Like, but he's, you know, just right there. And they can't do anything about this. The fact that they just won't address it, 
I don't know if you like Connor McDavid and, and Dreisaitl can only do so much. We saw it last year where McDavid played all 58 games. Maybe he didn't play all 58, but he scored over 100 points in a 58 game season, and they got swept by the Winnipeg Jets, showing that you need a good goalie. Connor Hellebuck, one of the best goalies in the league, stonewalled a guy that scored 100 points in around 58 games. You cannot continue to think that these two guys are going to be all that you need to perform and go that way. They are terrible defensively. They're terrible at killing penalties. They don't take a lot of penalties. They're ninth in penalty minutes with 470. But still, they have a 75.7% penalty kill percentage. If they make the playoffs and they take a penalty, which it's a lot more grinded out hockey in the playoffs, it's a lot of fun to watch, but if you commit a penalty and you're playing your provincial, I think I'm saying that right, you're playing your fucking Battle of Alberta team, the Calgary Flames in the first round, which right now, actually they wouldn't be. They'd be playing Colorado. If they play Colorado, they're going to get fucking swept embarrassingly with two of the best players in the world playing against each other. This is the Crosby Ovechkin of the Western Conference. It should be the Crosby Ovechkin of right now of seeing those two guys, McKinnon versus McDavid, in the Stanley or in the Western Conference Final every year. That's what the league I think wants and should see. But you're not putting them in the position to perform that way because your goaltending is so goddamn terrible. Mark in another fantasy league I'm in, just another point on Koskinen, and I I'm sure he's a nice guy. I hate to like just keep bullying him. But we have a Koskinen tracker of when he gets picked up and dropped and how often that happens in our league, in a league that requires so many goalie starts that having a guy that starts games is just important. Like my team, I have one starter. My other two goalies are backups. So I'm hoping that the backups play, but I still won't fucking pick up Koskinen because his statistics are so terrible. Yeah. I don't know. Like he's six, seven. I don't know should be able to stop, stop the puck a little bit better, but who am I? I'm, you know, no, I'm not a goalie. So I just know like he's 33. Like you kind of know what you're going to get out of him. If he's not the answer, it's time to, as a GM, like do your job. And if, if they don't, first of all, if they don't make the playoffs or if they get bounced in the first round, either, or I think pretty much just as bad. Like, what do you think is going to happen is do they split up dry settle McDavid? Do they like fire Everyone except them. Like, what do you think happens? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. Let's pull up our good friends at capfriendly.com to see what they uh, have in terms of assets in that way. Because they are, I mean, you either decide, yeah, let's just blow it all the fuck up and get everybody out of there. You have McDavid locked down for another five se- or four seasons after this. Dry title for another three. Zach Hyman has a very long contract. But you guys, you have a ton of pending UFAs. You have Darnell Nurse locked up for a while. His contract extension for $9.2 million. He's going to get paid more than title next year. Kicks in next year. So you either figure out, like, is a guy like Zach Cassian, who will be, he has two years left in his deal after this year. Like, is he worth trading? Do you trade title and just say, hey, we need something and you can take this guy for 8.5 to whatever team. You know, there's plenty of players that are in that high pay range, but not over the top pay range. You, you get what I mean? Like not over 9 million where the cap yep. still isn't going to move. Like McDavid's getting paid $12.5 million and he certainly deserves it. But you have all these guys and a number of their, their free agents that are coming up. 
are getting paid under a million dollars. They have a couple RFAs. They have a couple guys that are on the books for under a million dollars, which is great. But you mentioned Cody Cece, a guy that's been on a ton of teams. Maybe you just dish him out, or maybe you tried to – you've Duncan Keith on for another oh, – wow, he's two, two years left? Oh, it's still the Blackhawks contract. But still, he's a $5.5 million guy. Trade him to a team that, that needs you know, some veteran D, D leadership and just try to get some money off the books. But again, if you're not going to address goaltending and say, we need you to score a respectable number, say 15 goals, because we have McDavid, McDavid and Dreitzel to put up 100 points, do you want to go there if you're a free agent? I don't know. I don't think so. Because if you're not going to have goaltending and you are relied on, like a Kyler, or Kaler, however you pronounce Yamamoto's first name, like he is, he is close to 15 goals this year if, if he's not at 15. Really solid young forward who should be, actually he's pending RFA at the end of this year. So he should, like, if he goes to, to his arbitration or if he avoids it, like, do you just, like, I could, that could be a guy that somebody just comes up and scoops for an offer sheet and just see that happen. You know, you have to, at some point, make an investment in having the best player in the world. Yeah, that's, uh, could get very ugly there. Like, I, I don't know, how long did it take guys like Lemieux to start winning? Like, pretty long, right? I, um, let's see. Ariel I'm just thinking, my, how long do you think, think it was he, that long until he gets fed up? Lemieux got drafted in 1984, so it took him seven years to win his first Stanley Cup, which would be, this is, it's been seven years since McDavid got drafted. So he's right won around one that. playoff series. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, at that point, the Penguins, just, I'm looking at Lemieux's career right now. The Penguins had played, actually, kind of similarly, the Penguins did not make the playoffs the first of four years that Mario Lemieux was in the league. In 1989, it looks like they made it to the second round. They didn't in 1990. In 1991, which I believe is the first time he came back from cancer. He only played 26 games that year. That was their first Stanley Cup. The next year, they win the Stanley Cup. And then he has a couple more years, goes back out with cancer, comes back, and they still made deep runs with him. Granted, a lot of his playoff series wins are in the latter half of his career. But still... The Penguins did a lot to build around him. They got Yager. They had um, uh, Ron Francis. They had a ton of dudes to build around that team. And they did a good job of doing that and making sure that they were investing in having one of, because granted he played at the same time as Gretzky, so one of the best players in the world. They made sure to make that guy happy. You see teams do that. How many times has Columbus made these go-for-broke trades because they had Rick Nash, because they had Panarin, you need like the Oilers need to try to do something like that, and they never do. And they they keep getting coach after coach fired over it. Yeah, I don't know if it's the coach's fault. I think it's like a owner what, GM. What the fuck your goalie scout is fire that guy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, seriously. Anyway, so I kind of skipped over them quickly since we'll go bottom up. Do you agree on my take with the uh, the Canucks that they're not long for this world? I do. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's go to Vegas, who is a very intriguing team. They have the second shortest odds in the Western Conference to win the Stanley Cup. There are teams in the East that have better odds than them, but they are currently slated the third team of the Pacific Division, plus 900 to win the Cup. Only 
the Lightning, the Panthers, and the Avalanche have better odds. They're tied with the Maple Leafs. They're currently in third in their division. They played the Flyers the other night and lost a low-scoring game where Robin Leonard played very well. He really shut down in the second half of that game for the second two periods. And Carter Hart just played better. So Katahat had to, had to throw that in there. But this is a team, Mark, that they pick up Eichel. He's playing for him now. And they have all these different guys. A lot of them have been – there's a lot of injury problems. Pacioretty and Stone, two big ones. Obviously, Eichel missed a lot of the season. But this team, you can't count them out. Because they could go off at any time. And granted, Leonard's had some issues where he's missed some time. Broussard, how you pronounce his name, has been okay. A good goals against, but not a great save percentage. Leonard's is 909, which is, you know, he could be better than that. But this is a team that I think you just can't at any point in time discount, right? No, and they're getting their captain back in the playoffs, right? That's when he's coming back. They're doing the old... Uh... The uh, what Tampa did with um, can't think of his name. He's like the best player in the world last year, where he came back only in the playoffs. I think they're doing that with Mark Stone. But yeah, I think their Achilles' heel could be their goaltending. I think Leonard's having a bit of a down year, right? And they, I think Mark Andre Fleury really was that like safety net for them. I, I haven't really got a chance to watch their backup Rousseau. It's probably a French guy, but. I think goaltending could be their Achilles heel. Obviously, they have the forwards. They have the D. Um, this team, this core group of guys have been together a long time. They've made playoff run after playoff run. It's almost going to be like Stanley Cup or bust now for them just to, with how well they've done in recent years. So I think like if Leonard doesn't play his top form in the playoffs, I don't don't see them winning the Cup. I think it's, it's that simple. It's not that complicated. No, I totally agree with you. And it was, uh, yeah, with what they did with Kucherov with the Lightning. And, yeah, um, yeah it, it really does come down to it. Because Leonard, you know, he gets the number one job and everything there. And, and you're seeing what he's doing. And, you know, his goals against average is 277. So he's not, you know, he's performing well enough. But his save percentage, 909 is fine. It's not great. It just means that they're blocking a lot of shots. And they do. That's why they picked up Petrangelo. And, and he's certainly living up to that to that number 124 shots blocked almost to a game but they really you know health becomes a, a large concern for them because of the fact that yeah stone's coming back in the playoffs with patcheretti's in and out of the lineup they have guys that miss games here and there and you know you don't necessarily need your full running of the four forwards and, and three d pairs to play every game together because they certainly practice and all that stuff so there there's you know, they can get up to game speed but I don't know. It is it is something of where they have the forwards, they have the D to, to really show it. But when, you know, guys like Marsha Show, Chandler Stevenson, Riley Smith, they're all your top point getters. Jay Theodore has been really great for him, too. We, we really probably shouldn't discount him. He's a very solid ad that they made a couple years ago, or even this year. Sorry, the COVID really throws off when guys get picked up for me. But, like, I don't think you can still count him out because these are these are guys that all have turned it on in the playoffs for him. Oh, Theodore came over right at the start of their time. So I'm really thrown off there. But Leonard, going to your point, down year in the regular season, but this is a guy who in the playoffs has certainly 
lived up to the billing and then some. Granted, last year it was not so good. Fleury was the was the stopping point for him. But when he was with the Islanders, the year that they made a decent run, his first year in Vegas in the bubble, he he lived up to that. So it really does become it comes down to a put up or shut up time for him. Of you wanted to be the number one guy, here you are. So let's see what he can do. He's a bit of a like I don't know adversity like mental like he could lose like I could just see him like having a breakdown when they need him most you know yeah well and, and he is missing their game tonight he just got alerted thanks to the Yahoo Fantasy app that he uh, has a lower body injury and is going to miss that so if that's a lingering thing that's that's not good that granted they're playing the Buffalo Sabres tonight so hopefully Vegas just decides you know what tonight's the night to turn it on Jack Eichel's back in front of the Buffalo fans and really sticks it to him, so let's see what happens there. But, uh, you know, it really I, – I think you're right. It does become a put-up or shut-up for him. I just don't think you can count him out just yet because of really what this team's attitude's been since they came into the league of this team that, you know, you you ha- they, they, they face adversity or they're the, t- they're the island of misfit toys or whatever, you know, and now that they're, they're, they've been the darlings and now they're, they're kind of out because of injuries and all this kind of stuff, but – I don't know. I, I just I can't count them out because of the roster they have. It, but you're right. It comes down to Leonard. Yeah, their top nine forwards might be the. They might have the most depth. Oh yeah, they the, easily entirely. Do. They absolutely do. They're all healthy, like that lineup. Yeah, and Eichel in ten games has put up seven points. Like he's just getting started, and and you know again he's going back to Buffalo tonight. They go to Pittsburgh. They go to Columbus. They go to Winnipeg. So they play three teams they should beat pretty handedly. Then they play three playoff teams in Florida, L.A., and, and Minnesota. But, you know, we could see this team make some savvy deal at the trade deadline and see them, you know, continue to take off. Now, granted, they traded a decent amount of ch- decent amount of capital. I was about to say decent amount of chunk of change, which is two different phrases for Eichel. But um, I don't know. I feel like they still got something up their sleeve for adding maybe another depth guy or or something in there, you know. But. I don't know. It, it's going to be really interesting to see what this team does. Yeah, they still have so many assets too, draft picks, and they've accumulated and guys that they did draft were prospects right now, like top five, top ten picks. Like they're going to be coming up in the system soon, so I think they're going to be pretty legitimate for a while. Um, they're in a pretty good space. I don't know about their cap situation, but as for this year in the playoffs, like them getting losing to the Canadians last year, no excuse for that. Oh yeah. I think it's they have to make it to a cup again in order for it to be like a successful season. Yeah, I mean, they they opened their window. They pried it wide open right as yeah. right as soon as they came into the league and they put this big target on their back. Obviously the whole thing with with San Jose the next year with the the major penalty that shouldn't have been the three goal lead and all that. You know, unfortunate role there. They have the Unfortunate run-in, though, to your point, not even unfortunate, just kind of let down run-ins with Dallas in the bubble and then with Montreal last year. You know, at a certain point, you're starting to underperform, and when does it become, you know, the the team that wasn't? Where does it become a 30-for-30 30 30 of, like, their first season and then dud, 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 dud afterwards? So, like, I don't know. It, it really it really becomes a it becomes an interesting question. That I'm excited to see what they end up doing. And Mark, if you if you could hear me uh, 
get a little excited. Baseball is back. We just got the deal through. So let's go, baby. I'm pumped about that. And I think that's a good moving on point, unless you have uh, something else about Vegas before we get to your Los Angeles Kings. Yeah, that is big news. There you go. I am so goddamn I am so God. I'm glad that. So we decided to do this today in in the afternoon. Mark and I, Greg uh, has work, so he's not on here. We're, we're going to do one next week. And this is great that we get baseball back. So maybe it's a baseball preview. Maybe it's Greg and I doing that and some other stuff. So that, that's going to be a lot of fun. But Mark. Hat off to you. I'm applauding. My mic's kind of picking it up. You called this L.A. Kings team being dangerous. So I'm going to let you. Gloat about them, bask in the glory, take this thing away. The Kings are in second place. They're two points ahead of Vegas. Talk to me. Yeah, I think they were pretty close last year, too. And, you know, they have two Stanley Cups with that, that core group of Kopitar and Dowdy. I actually saw them play the Bruins Monday night. Um, I just thought that they'd, they'd be able to get in the last couple of years of those guys' prime. Um, and they have some young guys to help them out now. With And they picked up Danio, Dano. Philip to know. Yeah. Right. So he kind of gives Kopitar a break from playing that top matchup on the other side. So Kopitar has time to like focus on his offense uh, rather than just playing like two way the whole time. So I think that only helped them. And um, Cal Peterson's having a pretty decent year. They got a good two way goalie rotation going with quick and Peterson. Um, I just simply thought that with like Kopitar, Dowdy still being there, still putting up points, Picking up to know uh, Dustin Brown and who do they have like Victor Arvidsson. They picked up. He's having a pretty good year. I simply just like I knew you guys kind of weren't picking them, so I was like, yeah, they'll they'll get in. I want to be a little different, and uh, that was my lo- that was my logic behind it. And watching those those them play the other night, beat my Bruins in overtime, only only proved my point. Yeah, they've been a lot of fun to watch. A veteran team with a lot of interesting ads. You mentioned to know. You mentioned Arvidsson, a guy they traded for. I think it was last year. It might have been at the beginning of the season. But Brendan Lemieux, just a guy, that rat-type player that we always yeah. talk about that's just, you know, one that, that always ends up factoring in so many different ways, over 100 hits in 44 games. They've had guys miss time here and there, like at Thanasiu, that have just been hurt. And, you know, Dowdy's certainly been in that in that position as well. So that becomes a little bit of a concern to see where they can keep going from there. But to see them, you know, play well as they have, and they have that attitude of hard hitting. Mikey Anderson leads the team in hits, which just exciting to see of <laughs> a guy there that hard nosed, tough player, and with guys who've just been doing it forever. Kopitar still leading the team in points. Dowdy still, you know, close to a point a game, despite the fact that he's missed time here and there. You know, it's a team that if they stay healthy and that you get Jonathan Quick going vintage quick in the playoffs. They could be exciting to watch. I mean, a Vegas LA series, that was Vegas's first ever series. They were a, they were a they had home ice and they were a dog to, to LA there. See that thing get flipped around as we currently have it would be really exciting to see in the playoffs. It's going to be fun to watch how this the division winds up and I know we're going to finish with the the Flames in a few minutes here, but they're a team that yeah, they don't score a ton of goals, but they lock down defensively and they'll punch you in the mouth while they're doing it. And one guy to note, it's been a little disappointing. It's Quentin Byfield's second overall pick a couple of years ago. I think he's only got three points this year in 18 games. It's not like he's small or anything, six foot five. Like I just, hopefully he can pick it up for them 
uh, later in the year. And kind of sometimes that happens with rookies, it takes them a little bit of time. Uh, so it's just something to look out for. It's like second overall picks, second overall pick, you know. And he's uh, uh, he's Canadian. Thought he was American. Nah, yeah, he's Canadian. I'm looking him up now because he's only played 18 games. So I want to say, want to say maybe he's been up and down between here and uh here in the AHL. Yeah, he's played 39 games this year between the the NHL and AHL. Um, nine points total in 39 games. So, you know, we've seen that before of guys that takes a little bit of time to continue, continue getting it going. So we'll see what he ends up doing. And it's certainly, you know, something to be excited about if you're a Kings fan of having a guy like that, that, you know, second overall pick, that's, uh, you know, the highest ever black player to get picked. Right. Um, yeah, he could be a freshman in college right now. Yeah. He was, he was born in 2002. He's 20 years old. Or no, he's still nineteen. Shit. Um. So yeah, <laughs> you got to be excited about that. But this is a team. I think they're the L.A. Kings. They're seventy-one points, so they're five points ahead of Edmonton. I I know they're on an eight eight out of their last ten or wins. They're on a three-game winning streak. I still see them making it into the playoffs. I think they still got some bullets in the chamber to add a little bit at the deadline. We've seen training with with different regimes at GM or within their GM's office, excuse me, but make very, very smart trades right around the trade deadline and see the, see those types of teams make runs, and a lot of those key pieces are there that can get the boys going. So LA's a team that I'm excited to watch and, and see where they can go from there. What else we got going on? Um... So we got the last team. We got the Calgary Flames. Oh, yeah. To talk about. The Flames currently in first place in the Pacific Division, and for those Calgary Flames fans that are bummed we talked about your provincial rivals. I think I'm fucking up that word. We talked about the Oilers first. We saved the, not the best, because the, the Avalanche are the best for last. The Calgary Flames come in fifth in the league for goals for. They have 195 goals scored. The second lowest goals against in the league. Thatcher Demko has been all that in a bag of chips for the John, for the Flames. I'm going to I'm going to correct you there, but Thatcher Demko's on oh, Vancouver. I was thinking of the yeah, you're right. Um Jacob Markstrom, Markstrom, the other Vancouver goalie. Thank you, Mark. That was a very bad fuck up. Um I did that also once when the Flyers were playing the Flames of I I kept calling Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, and my one buddy just like he kept letting me stew in it. So I'm, I thank you for correcting me right away. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Well, I'll let you take it away. Talk about the Flames. They've been awesome. No, I, I know. I don't want to like repeat. I know we talked about them a couple weeks ago in our last uh, episode, but yeah, I think he's. I remember heading into this year, I was like, I didn't think they'd make the playoffs, and I thought their whole team would be blown up because that's what it pretty much came down to. The we guys talked about that, that last have. year. We talked about the beginning of yeah. the season of like, is Goudreau going to be a trade deadline bait? No, he's not going to be. Yeah, Lynn, this Lindholm guy is having it. I mean, he was good last year, yeah. but he's kind of slotted into that number one center role rather than Monaghan, who had been there previously. So I think that's really been helping them out. Um, I think they're just a well, they have so much depth, so many guys, um, just scoring spread out all around compared to those other rosters that we've been talking about. Um, and they're big too, like Lucic and other guys. So they can beat you with skill. They can beat you yep. with physicality. Their goaltending is there. They're just a well oiled machine um i think i don't know they could be a, you know a little sleeper too i've said that about a couple of teams but 
do you think that they could beat like a, a Vegas in the playoffs or like a, I think they'd beat Nashville, but do you think that they could, I don't know if they could take on Colorado, but I think they could beat everyone else except them. So a couple of years ago, they won the Pacific division and they played Colorado in the first round. Colorado had been plagued by injuries all year. They got swept. We talked about it with this team. They were running gun. They didn't really have a defensive identity. That has certainly changed. This team, obviously the goaltending has been insane out of Markstrom. Didn't fuck it up that time. But their defense has, has been really great for them in seeing guys like Noah Hannafin really take off. Rasmus Anderson, who's second in the team in points. Uh, or not even close, but uh, up there. Jesus, I'm really fucking up on this team. Sorry, sorry, Flames fans. The end of the show. So <laughs> And baseball's back. So I'm, I'm all over the place. But Anderson's having a great year. 33 points. Really contributing from the blue line there. Blake Coleman, a guy, obviously not a, not a defenseman, but like really adding that depth. We didn't even talk about it. The Toffoli trade they made a, almost a month ago now has been incredible for them, has really been paying off. Should mention that Johnny Goudreau's in a contract here. He's a UFA at the end of this year. They've already traded away their first-round pick for the 2022 draft. They do own two first-round picks in – or two second-round picks this year. So they do have one from the Panthers they could use there. They don't really have any other picks to use for 2022 to trade. They have their own second, their own fifth, their own seventh. They might have to dive into 2023 to push the chips into the table. But I feel like with this, with Daryl Sutter, a very well-seasoned head coach, you know, at this point, you might want to push the chips into the middle and see what you can do to build around this team. Because you're right, I don't think they match up against Colorado that well unless their run-and-gun really can clip the abs, but over a seven-game series – that's tough to say. They did win. They won a, less than a week ago against Colorado in Denver. So that's pretty big in a 4-3 game. But can they do that over a seven-game series? I don't think so, not with this current construction. And they just picked up DeFoley, too, right? Yeah. yeah. 11 so points in 11 games. And it's been awesome for them. He's played in a couple Stanley Cups, one one with the Kings, and then last year with the Canadians. So just add another guy. with Playoff pedigree, goal scorer, can only help. But Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of a complete team. I don't know how much more you can add. Like, they kind of are who they are, and they're proving it this year. It's working out for them. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting, too. Like, we didn't mention some of these other guys, like Branson or Tanev, who obviously yeah. his brother gets a lot more more play than he does because of uh, Brandon Tanev, the current Kraken, but all of his pictures with the weird, like, uh, open yeah. pictures and all that. But Chris Tanev, their, their defenseman, very solid player, always a uh, – if you ever play NHL Ultimate Team, is always like a cheap option to pick up and, and all that stuff if you can find him there. Because I think partially because his brother is just so much better known than he is. But he's like he's always a solid player, really solid between on the blue line for him. And they really are built well, and they they kind of a similar team to the Kings, but they score a lot more. They really will throw it in your face. They're tough nosed team. We talked about Kachuk a little bit because I talked about how I fucked up his name, but Matt Kachuk just absolute rat. When he's on the ice, really gets under people's skin, and he puts up the points to to boot. So, a team that yeah, they're I mean, how many guys have have double digit plus minuses on this team? A lot of that's because Markstrom's playing so well with uh, your boy Vladder and uh, as the backup. But they have a proven number one. They certainly are in the position they are, not by accident. They had a thrilling game with the Capitals. I don't know if you caught that the other night. That was uh, back and forth. The Capitals ultimately end up pulling it out because Oshie scored a couple times, but. 
they're a fun team, and they're definitely they're deservingly up there as a division leader and one of the better teams in the league. But they're they're going to be fun to watch. I mean, Goudreau really showing in his in his contract year that he has it. And I think too, uh, you know, something else to note: they kill penalties, which obviously with a good goalie can certainly do that for you. But a team that takes a lot of penalties like they do, over 500 at this point, almost 10 minutes a game is, or 537 over 50-something games. Um, so close to 10 a game. If you're killing 85% of your penalties, that's still really good. And granted, their power play is in top 10, but it's the better half of the league. It's 23%. They're doing everything they got to do there, and they you know nobody's really that selfish. There isn't an island of a guy who's just scoring all the goals and everyone else has the assists. Goudreau, with the 23 goals, has 51 assists, so he's certainly zipping the puck around. Kachuk has, has almost at 30 goals and has 38 assists. You have Lindholm and, and Manjapandi, trying to pronounce that Italian style, um, <laughs> all both almost at 30 goals. I mean, they, they got guys left and right on multiple lines that can do it. They're a really exciting team to watch, and, and I hope – that we can see them make it to the third round because they're it's just fun seeing the Calgary Flames see later and later in the playoffs. They're a team that kind of has always been around with names and all that and all that, and they've won playoff series here and there, especially in Goudreau's career. But to see him maybe make a deep run would be exciting, and I think this is the time to shove those chips into the middle. And, Jordy, you touched on their special teams. A little fun fact um... – like a, the sign of a good team that a, a good special teams is to have them both the percentages add up to a hundred, at least a hundred at the minimum. And I think they're at one Oh eight. Like, yeah. So yeah. a lot I was of people say that you, I remember you talking about this before and I was, I was saving it for you. So that's a uh, reading each other's minds there a little bit, but um, <laughs> it's also a team though, for as many goals as they score, they take a ton of shots a game. So that is something too, to keep an eye out for of like, a team that really, you know, they zip the puck around really well. They get shots on and, you know, it, they can just really cause a disturbance. And obviously it shows it. They're fifth in the league in goals four. And they'll be they'll be right there by the end of the season to see what the team can do once all said and done is going to be exciting. But I think they need and you're right that they have a really full lineup. But if they could add an over the top guy, you know, really just take something to that to take them to an even higher stratosphere, it'll be really exciting to see because we mentioned it with Colorado. The goaltending is an issue. Here with the Flames, we just need to see them prove it in the playoffs because they've had their opportunities and have floundered it before. And a, and a guy like Markstrom, I think he's the real like, oh, yeah. key piece here. That, like We're not giving enough credit. I, mean, I know we talked about him, but I think he's – they've been looking for a goalie for a while. I, like Why can't a team like Edmonton have picked him up or traded for him? You know, like – he went from Vancouver to Calgary. I think Edmonton could have used him, but he's having a career year. He's only 30, I think, he's still. So He's 32. Which, just signed a deal. Yeah, 32. Just His first of five years for $6 million, so he's certainly living up to that billing. So good for him there that they have that. And, you know, obviously, if you lock it down for that period of time, it's a good place to invest. But, yeah, with, with Goudreau as a, a pending free agent, you certainly got to figure out something there because they are in a weird space with the cap of they only have one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars left to to have wow. to to use. So to see what they could do after uh, after the trade deadline is going to be really intriguing. 
But we'll we'll see what they do. Crazier things have happened. Like we mentioned, at Dallas and Montreal made it to the the final a couple years ago. So let's see if the Flames can be uh, one of the top tier teams to to surprise people. Did you have them making the playoffs? Uh, that's a good question. Let's see if I did or not. Uh, I can pull it up very quickly. West picks. I did not. None Me of us either. did. Wow. You had, for the Pacific Division, you had you had LA third, you had Vegas second, you had the Oilers first. Greg and I had the Oilers second. We had Vegas first. Then we had Vancouver third. So that was a little oof pick there. Uh, we all had the stars making the playoffs. Greg had Nashville in, so credit to Greg. Uh, we all had the Avs, the Wild for second in the Central. Uh, you and I had the Blues in third, and then Greg had the Jets in third, and then you and I had the Jets as wild card picks. So, a little inaccurate on our Western Conference picks, but that's okay. That's okay. It happens. Yeah, I think I'm just one off on the West. Uh, Maybe yeah, two. I think so. Well, we had the you had the Jets, you had Dallas, who's currently in. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only one that that you're missing is yeah, you're one off. You just don't have Calgary. You had Winnipeg instead. I'll take it. Yeah, but let's uh let's end it quick. Touch it on our own teams, just because we're homers in that way. How are you feeling about the Bruins right now? Yeah, feeling feeling pretty good. Tough uh, loss the other night. Let's see how they respond tonight. I think they're playing Chicago at home. So that should be a should be a win. They've been playing pretty well lately, um, and it's they're pretty healthy. Marshawn came back from his suspension. Um, biggest thing for them has been um, Swayman, Jeremy Swayman, like. What like we all thought Tuca like two months ago we thought it'd be Tuca right now yeah coming back and we put Swayman in the AHL but this kid went down there didn't put up a big fuss about it could get got called back up and just right back in form he's playing unbelievable I think Greg picked him up in fantasy he's been, that's why he beat me last week but uh, <laughs> yeah hey, like we all know about them their their usual guys are putting up stats I think it's the thing with them is. And, they need to still add somebody. Like, I think they're in a tough spot right now where they'll make the playoffs and yeah, they'll get in. Maybe they'll win a round or two, but I don't think in a seven game series, they need some like more D like more size or another center to go with that second line with uh, Hall and Pasternak. But I think their number one priority should be picking up a, a top four defenseman who's a left shot primarily. So maybe he could play at the end of the game with McAvoy to shut down some, some top lines. Um, if they can pick that up, great. But those guys are so hard to come by. Like yeah. Defensemen especially. Um, but, yeah, I think that's that's kind of my thoughts on them. Have you had a chance to, to catch any of their games? I've watched a few. Um, you know, they've been fun to watch and obviously, uh, you know, grind out some wins there. You had a nice win over Vegas last week, which was uh, cool to see and, and see what they've been able to do. And, yeah, I think you're right of that if you could pick up a, a solid D, it would be, you know, obviously more def- more depth of defense is always very good, especially when goaltending is as well as Jeremy Swayman's been playing, but that's definitely what stuck out to me about Swayman is just how well he's played. And you mentioned of a guy that we didn't really think about at the beginning of the year, you know, pasta's doing pasta things. Uh, Bergeron's been really good. Marshawn's, you know, really bounced back since the suspension. And, you know, you kind of expected that out of them and, you know, to see what they could do, maybe add a, you know, I think defense is probably more important than, than some more forward depth, but you know, there's definitely some room room to work with the trade deadline, and I feel like they have the assets to do it, right? 
and especially with J they put Jake Dabrowski on that top line with Marshawn Bergeron for a reason, and he's got what uh, twenty-five points. Yeah, but in his last one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten games, he's got eight goals. Oh shit! Seven goals. So he's been like he had a hat trick last week. Yeah, or two weeks ago, but he's been playing really well. Um, that's like we got to trade him now while his value is still high because he will go <laughs> so he'll go so cold and yeah. like. After that scoring streak he's been on, he still said that he wanted to be traded. Really? So, yeah, I just don't think he likes it here. I don't think he's necessarily liked in the locker room that much. Because you could see it. Like, after he scored his hat trick, people still, like, usually guys will be pumped for you. It was kind of awkward with him. You could just tell watching it on TV. Um, so, I trade him. Trade draft picks. Get something. Because they need – if – like, this is – I this is probably the last year. Bergeron will will be Bergeron. I'm I'm gonna say. That's yeah. It. So if you're gonna do it, this is it. But they've done it in the past, and it hasn't really worked out like Rick Nash and other guys. But yeah, yeah. How about your Flyers, though, man? Yeah, it's been a long year. Um, they just re-signed Ristolainen to a five by five uh, deal today, which was surprising it had seemed like they were going to try to trade him they'd even asked him about his name being thrown up in trade rumors and he said it doesn't mind me i had it all last year in buffalo and then um the rumors started to fly that they were talking about re-signing him and then the trade rumors were still flying locked him up which is you know it, it's it is what it is i don't necessarily think i would have wanted to pay him that much money but he's been solid for them when he's been in the lineup he's been Certainly a hard-hitting defenseman, something the Flyers you know, need, and a guy that really fights for his goalie, and I think it really shows. And Carter Hart, I mentioned before, incredible game the other night, and has had a really great bounce-back year, 9-13 save percentage with Mark. He's faced more shots now, Carter Hart, in 36 games than he did in his 34th game, so two games ago. He already eclipsed his career high in shots faced and saves. And he, his career total or his career high in games played was two years ago, the, the bubble year, where he played 43 games. So in seven less games, he's already faced that many more shots. So it kind of tells you where the Flyers have been defensively. So having a defenseman like that, you know, can certainly help. I know it's certainly been up and down for where people think of him in terms of the season. Um, they're still blocking a decent amount of shots. The Flyers are. But a lot of their defensive forwards have been hurt throughout this year. Couturier has been hurt for a while. Kevin Hayes just came back, and a lot of people are worried about him with how much he's getting paid. And he's looked pretty good so far uh, being back. Uh, Cam Atkinson has been all goods as advertised. 20 goals this year. The second highest for a player in his first year with a new team, um, which has been awesome to see. But the real, the real big thing, you know, outside of the injuries, has been just the rumors of Claude Giroux and where, where he might go, where he might be willing to trade or waive his no-trade clause. And, you know, it's it's kind of a, a bittersweet end to our longest-serving captain for the Flyers in, in Giroux and seeing what uh what he can do and, and the playmaking skill that he certainly still has going for him. He, uh, you know, the numbers, he's 40, 40 points in 53 games, but seeing what he's been able to do with this team and trying to lead him, you know, he's four games away from his 500th game, which – or his 1,000th game, excuse me, which would be – you know, he could get to before the deadline. It would be a home game against Nashville. If he plays in all four games, which he should, he generally is a relatively healthy player. 
So we'll see. You know, they play five games before the deadline, so maybe he gets to 1,001, and they trade him on the deadline day and, and send him to a cup contender. That's all we really want for him is for him to win, and, you know, it, it, it'll be a really sad uh, end to it. But, you know, I mean, I have, another, I have a couple other thoughts on the Flyers, but what do you think on the Giroux situation? Yeah, I mean, I've been saying it the past couple of years, like that contract and them not being able to win. I thought they, they should have got rid of him last year, if not the year before. Like, uh, not that he's not playing well or anything, but it just hasn't worked out. You got to know when to cut ties. And he's yeah. been a hell of a catch for you guys. His number's going to be up in your rafters, but like you guys aren't going anywhere. To, like, put him on a team that has a chance. Do yeah. him a, a favor, right? Absolutely. Um, and Martin, like when you guys signed Martin Jones, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. So, like, that I knew right away that was going to be bad. Like, he's proven it 897 save percentage. Like, he is year after year, he's been brutal. I don't know. He might be out of a job next year. Yeah, he, it's been but, tough. But on the Drew thing, that's been talked about for a while, right? And the big thing is he just didn't want to waive his no trade clause. He loves it in Philadelphia. He loves the city. He loves the fans. So he's just been unwilling to go down with the ship, or he's been willing to go down with the ship and unwilling to, to yeah. abandon that. So there's there's some honor in that, but I think at this point, he's a pending UFA. At this point, we just want him to win because it has been, you know, we all, I mean, literally, like, the big thing you see in Flyers Twitter during a game is, I feel so sorry for Claude Giroux. We wasted Claude Giroux's talent. We wasted all this stuff. Like, it's a sense of remorse from us as the fans of, like, what what the the organization did and, and how they weren't able to, you know, prop him up and put him in a position where he could, you know, be not only the guy, but have guys around him. And they tried in, in a number of different ways, but it wasn't like a Chris Pronger trade. Like they had in the, the 2009 off season where they brought in a superstar. They tried to sign Shea Weber to a massive offer sheet and the predators matched it and all of these different things. And it's been all of this in the last 10 years, of trying to, you know, I don't know if it's trying to catch up to that or Pronger getting hit in the eye or, or what it is. And, and unfortunately, Giroux's been the captain for that, so there's other people that think he's the worst Flyers captain ever or whatever. But it, it's, you know, he's been more than gracious to the city and loves Philadelphia and all of that. And, you know, and if we can give him, put him in a place where he can win, that's all we want out of him. And the fact that he was honorable enough to want to try to go down with the ship is enough that we could have ever asked for him and more. And, uh, yeah, it'll be really bittersweet when he does go. But, again, I want him to be on a cup contender. I want to be rooting for him in the playoffs. I said to you guys, if he goes to the Bruins, I'd buy a, a Claude Giroux Bruins jersey. I'd do the same if he went to the Avalanche, maybe even the Flames. I'd, I'd buy one of those. Uh, I just want to see him win a cup. And there's yeah. other exciting stuff. But, yeah, you, you continue. Are you getting a little emotional there, Jody? A little Over bit there. thinking about it because it is like you just think he came up in he came up right in the position of the Flyers' worst season ever was oh six oh seven. Giroux's first year was in the back with a vengeance team, the oh seven oh eight team. That's another free agent signing, Danny Briere. That was you know this is a we're not down, we're down but we're not out kind of thing. And the Flyers just have never in that period of Giroux's career have never really they've tried to and there's been hype around certain things. But it's been it's been a fun ride with him and seeing that and my friends and I have like bumped out and uh, bumped into him around the city once like way before he was married and had kids like he just loves the city of Philadelphia to, see, to hear that and or just to think about that kind of stuff is that but to change to change uh, gears a little bit you know 
one of my friends, uh, Marty Lusgarden, asked if we, you know, who the next coach of the Flyers should be. So I'm interested in hearing your thought there. Mike Yo has been very up and down, and there's a number of different rumors of who they could sign. If it's a, uh, if it's a Rick Tockett or something like that, a hard nosed guy. Uh, but they do have a lot of young guys that they've very strangely done kind of weird throughout this year. Cam York, they've sent up and down throughout the fly through the Flyers and the the Phantoms. Same with guys like Morgan Frost, who had a lot of injury problems and should have been the next guy. He had an incredible career in the queue and juniors. So, like, it's just a lot of, when you look at back on the Drew era and that in all of the Hextall era is encapsulated in there and, and what happened and who to point the finger at of how we screwed, screwed Drew and all this. It's just such a weird and very introspective look on the team. As for coaching candidates, one guy that popped into my head is David Quinn. Yeah, that actually, you know, that'd be really great. Turned around the Rangers a little yeah. bit, like, knew how to handle their young guys. Look at them now. Yeah, that's actually a really great call. And the Rangers, a lot of people point to them of like, oh, they, we mentioned it before. If they hit the ejector seat when they were in a playoff spot, and, you know, they, they certainly have drafted really well, which has certainly been a heel of the Flyers. Although Joel Farabee has been great when he's been healthy. He's another guy that came back recently and has been, has looked solid since he came back and and but there are a lot of other busts like German Robotsov, who's just fucking terrible, a first round pick who I don't think's played a single NHL game if he's played a dozen. Um and you know, all these different all these different names out there. But David Quinn would be awesome to see because he did a really good job at the Rangers and, and probably received somewhat of an unfair shake on that. I know Drury came in and wanted to bring in his own guys and all that stuff as the GM. So that would be a really fun one to see. Yeah, there's some other names out there. I don't know, like, but do you think they should go with, like, a more veteran, hard-nosed guy or, like, a young up-and-coming guy? Because the league's changing. The players are changed now. Yeah. They're not like they used to be. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think they need? I'd say somewhere in the middle of a more veteran guy but a player's coach because they tried to go with the young up – or not even young and up-and-coming, but they went with Dave Hackstall, and that was Ron Hackstall's Achilles heel, and it's why – debatably why he got fired is they wouldn't fire him. He'd only been a college coach, never coached in the NHL before. Now he's the coach of the, the Kraken right now. But that was uh, – he wasn't necessarily young, but he was up and coming. And then they went with A.V., who's a player's guy, but I think, it, you know, and I think it's followed him his whole career. Eventually the locker room turns on him. I think there's a little bit of a hard nose. You know, if he went for a guy like Torts, that would be – I think that's just not – I don't know if, if that'd go well here. I don't know necessarily, like, if people would want that. They'd think, oh, the Broad Street Bullies are back. But you're right, the league is changing. And especially with the young guys they have in, in up and coming that are both in the minors and on the team currently. So, like, you kind of need a guy that's been around the league but knows how to handle professionals, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Because they, they have a mix of veterans and young guys. So, yeah, somewhere in the middle definitely makes sense. I'm just uh, worried with all those shots. They're going to bring Carter Hart into an early retirement. <laughs> uh, you know, he's even keeled. You saw him after the game of, of he didn't even mind 47 saves career high and they're interviewing after the game and it was like and he's talking about different shot blocks guys getting you know putting their stick on other guys shots and getting deflections and stuff like that so he you know right now he's he's found that mindset again that he had two years ago and is playing really well and he's a team guy first and but that's another thing right like he has two more years left on his entry-level deal and you want to make sure that you don't waste his time here and that or that it turns into something of not necessarily that Bobrovsky wanted to get out of Philly, but like that you don't end up 
screwing that up and a guy that you know we've been waiting for for so long of a good goalie and you don't screw that that kind of thing up like you have Ristolainen you have uh Provorov signed for next year and signed for a while which he's been up and down for a while Ryan Ellis and and Sean Couturier are still on the team so you have like veteran guys that have been around the block some people don't like how much money they make or the you know whether or not they're diminishing returns Couturier's contract extension hits next year so it's going to be really interesting to see where this team goes because if they want to be in that Ed Snyder type of we're down but we're not out, they got some serious decisions they got to make. And whether or not it's Chuck Fletcher's job to do it is is probably the a big outside of who who he's going to trade and what he's going to try to get back. It's going to be a very interesting offseason conversation, I think, in Philadelphia. You know who's made like the most money for putting up the least amount of having the least amount of production? It's probably JBR. Yeah, I think he, he's uh, only had over 62, 60 points once. Yeah, he, uh, like he he did what Goudreau was doing now. Of His last year in Toronto, he completely took off. And he got a, you know, deservably got a, got the contract he got. But it, it was too long and it's a lot of money. That's one that uh, I really like JVR, especially I think that's rose-tinted glasses from his first stint in Philly when we traded him um, to Toronto. And, and he was a really big part of that cup run team. But yeah, to your point, that's been serious diminishing returns since he's come back to Philly. And some of that's been injuries and stuff. And, and this year he's been relatively healthy, but only 21 points. Kind of a liability when he's on the ice. Uh, there was a funny moment, though, Mark. His brother plays for the Capitals. And Zach McEwen, who he deserves, he deserves all the praise he's getting and deserves an A for how much this guy fights for the team. But he fought JVR's brother, Trevor, who plays for the Capitals. And JVR is just on the ice at the same time rooting for McEwen against his brother. <laughs> but, yeah, his, his time back in Philly has been – he scored 27 goals in, in 66 games that first year, and he hasn't eclipsed 20 since. So it's like it's been up and down, and really really since post-COVID has, has really fallen off the wagon. I just think with you guys, the, the, the contracts you guys have given out to some, some people over the years, like oh I've God. been saying, last year I was talking about – Voracek and Drews and uh, JBRs and I didn't like Kevin Hayes' seven million when he I think he's a five million third line center. Seven like million. that contract. Yeah. Yeah. No, million. I know. He, I I said I'm saying oh, he you're should saying be he's at worth five. five million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He that's, should be. That's one that people. His first year here was awesome, and then last year the whole team was not good, and then he's been hurt all this year. It's a joke that he had an infected penis, and that's why he was hurt for. He's he lost like his billion. brother too. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he lost his brother as well. Unfortunately. Jimmy RIP, but um, yeah, he's finally back in the lineup. So hopefully he takes another step up and, you know, depending on what happens with Drew, cause he said he wants to resign in Philly and all that stuff. But like, I don't know where you can go for trying to bring him back because Couturier's contract extension hits in and that's a huge pay bump for him. And then you have Joel Farabee's contract extension hits. He's currently under a million a year. That's going to be 5 million. And you know, you're just going to see that. And, and it's unfortunate, right? They give out all this money to certain players, and then there are some contracts that end up being complete bargains, like Wayne Simmons's contract that he had here, that he was grossly underpaid for what he what he gave to the city, and then obviously got a big ticket from New Jersey. I don't know how much the Beliefs are paying him now, but you know the when they have the opportunity to give out a lot of money, the Flyers love to do it. See the Rasmus Ristolainen deal this year. I didn't know. Yeah, they love to, and it'll be real. I mean, approaching this off season is going to be incredibly intriguing to see, because seeing if you can pick up different guys, like 
Jerry Mayhew is a dude they signed this offseason for less than a million dollars and has been one of their more exciting players to watch. So, like, can that can they repeat that kind of stuff of finding bargain bin deals? And they kind of leverage themselves on that opportunity. And if not, you know, again, this is all depending on what ends up happening at the trade deadline here. Like, JVR is one that people have talked about of, are they going to try to cap dump him somewhere? Are they going to, like, he's a name that gets thrown out. So seeing what this team looks like the next time that we're talking hockey after the trade deadline is going to be a very, hopefully has a very, uh, it's a different lineup look, different lineup makeup, and we're talking about different opportunities that they possibly have. Yeah, I think you guys are going to open up a lot of cap space. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, JBR is yeah. probably going to end up in the desert, right? Possible. Yeah, they, yeah the Coyotes right. uh, scouting staff has been all over the all over the Flyers for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> they just want that salary. Yeah, I mean, they love to eat up salary. But, um, yeah, I mean, before before the trade deadline, they currently still have $38 million on the books for next year. So it'll be to see where they end up going through through that and how much money they can dump off there you know drew obviously a pending free agent so that's not including his contract so it's going to be uh it'll be intriguing to see where the team goes but the final question we had because i did answer kind of answered my mom's question about will the flyers ever be good again we answered marty's final one comes from my buddy felipe which i didn't actually mention this off the top the reason why there wasn't a show last week i went on felipe's show the Brazilian Dragon podcast, which talks about Disney Channel original movies and a lot of other movies from when we were kids. We talked motocrossed on there, which, Mark, have you seen the movie Motocross, the Disney Channel original movie? I have. Uh, Felipe wants to know, for those that haven't seen it, same plot as She's the Man, sister steps in for the brother doing a sport, but this is motocross. He wants to know which Carson sibling would be a better hockey player. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right away. I'll answer first. I'm going to say the sister, Andrea who, if you don't know the plot of the movie, the brother breaks his leg in, like, the first 20 minutes. And that's a big reason why. But Andrea, proven athlete throughout the movie. She, you know, shown to do gymnastics, then beats all the boys in the pro circuit. So I'm going to go with Andrea, with the sister. What about you? Yeah, I like that pick. I'm going to, I think, I'm going to go with Andrea as well, Jordy. You know what? <laughs> I like that pick. I love it. I love it. All right, well, Mark, anything else before we wrap this thing up? That's it for me. I think we've covered a lot. Um, I just other than the best time of the year, best part of the season's coming up right now. The playoff push, and then the first oh, yeah. round of the playoffs, always crazy. So yeah, this, this uh, these next twenty games or so is going to be. I mean, East. Yeah, we've talked about the East is pretty much locked up, but that those final West spots can Edmonton sneak in? Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, and even the seeding in the East of seeing what's going to happen in the push post trade deadline is going to be really exciting to see what ends up happening there because nothing. But I, the eight teams are locked up, but all the seeding is certainly very much up for grabs. I mean, you can make a debate that how well Carolina's playing with Freddie Anderson, they might have the division locked up, but the other two seeds, the Penguins and, and Rangers, are tied right now. And then even Washington, they could make a push and maybe get get out of the wild card into a uh, into a top three seed in the in the Metro. And then the what's it called? The Atlantic Division. It's just the wild, wild west, at least right now, the two Florida teams battling it out there, which is exciting. Yeah, they're, I'm a big fan of them. I, yeah, the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're it's going to be, it's, they're playing the Flyers tonight and it'll be, I'm going to be at the Sixers game. So I'll just catch the highlights afterwards. But I'm excited to see what, uh, what goes down in that game. <laughs> just to watch that, that lineup work is going to be fun to see. Florida minus 2.5. 
Is that what is that what the current puck line is? No, I'm just guessing. Well, I saw the money line for Florida is minus three seventy five. <laughs> yeah, stay, <laughs> staying away. Yeah, stay. Yeah, stay away from that game. Maybe just bet the over and uh, be happy there. But Mark, thank you so much for jumping on, man. This was so much fun. Yeah, my pleasure, Jordy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And everybody, please subscribe to the bullpen cart. Search it wherever you get your podcast. Leave a five star review. Follow us on Twitter, Thunder BLG. Follow us on Instagram, the Flyers recaps. At least temporarily, we're back because of Carter Hart's incredible performance. But I'll probably do some more maybe after tonight, maybe after trades happen, all that good stuff. Thunderblock Sports is the Instagram there. But for Mark Higgins, I am Jordy Cannell. Have a great weekend, everybody. Baseball is back. And let's, let's go, go Abs. Bees.